us. We forget that there is a promise of a future that is so much more extravagant than all of the issues of today. We allow the sufferings of this present time to make us bitter rather than allowing the hope of glory that awaits us to keep us better. We have to keep things in perspective. The hardships in this world can take a toll on you. There's personal heartache and disasters around the world on the news. All of it makes you groan along with creation for the day when Jesus comes back. Instead of getting distracted by all of the chaos, Pastor Daniel will encourage you today to keep your heart focused on eternity. Be present where you are, but remember what's coming next. Eternal life with the Savior of this broken world. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 8 as he begins his message, Eyes on the Prize. So I don't know about you, but I am always battling being distracted. You know, it's like, in, in a sense, I love being distracted. It's a great parenting tool. So, like, my five-year-old Annabelle, because, you know, she's, you, don't, you ever hear that thing that, like, your parents said, like, I pray you get to raise a kid just like you? Well, that's my Annabelle. My Annabelle is me, except in a little girl's body. And so, so when Annabelle gets going on something, which happens all the time, distraction is our best friend. Because really what happens is, is she'll get all worked up about something, and I'll do something, and she'll get really upset. I'm like, hey, Annabelle, you want some candy? Great. She's in a great mood in like 30 seconds. But in life, distractions, distractions are a, a problem. Now, the reason I bring this up is because one of the keys to life, the secret sauce of life in Christ, is being able to keep things and keep your eyes on the right things. If you ever had a cat, you know the best way to have fun with a cat is to get like a little laser pointer, Right? You put that laser pointer and the cat will run around all day after this laser pointer that they can't catch. And in a lot of ways, life is about keeping your eyes on and focused on the most important things. And I want to unpack that for you today. So open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be taking verses 18 to 25. Romans 8 verses 18 to 25. So of course, if you're... If you brought your Bible with you today, I'm super excited for you. You know where Romans 8 is. You probably have your, your bookmark in your Bible right there. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, I realize for many of us, we have uh, devices that have some sort of intelligence, or that's, that's what they tell us. And you can Google Romans 8, colon 18 to 25. I want you to be able to read it in the Bible, because I'm not just making this stuff up, you know? This is what God's Word says, what the Scriptures say. And there is very relevant reality for us in this text. Look at what it says. Romans chapter 8, just taking verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings 
of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, I want you to back up just a few verses to verse 16. And I'm going to read it, verses 16, 17, and 18, to put it into a little bit of a context. It says, the Spirit himself, verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, if you just want to put this into a simple phrase, what is this teaching us? It's teaching that you and I need to keep things in perspective. We need to keep things in perspective. See, really what it's saying is that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, who is absolutely the secret sauce of life, right? Because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit, we are told that we are children of God. You're part of God's family. And if you're part of God's family, then you realize that you are an heir of all the inheritance of what it means to be a part of God's family. But... As part of God's family, it's not all easy because not only is it you're part of God's family, but there is suffering involved. And we get to that at the end of verse 17, right? If we will suffer with him, that we might be glorified together with him. And then Paul says, but guess what? I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. And see, this is what it's saying. No matter what's going on in your world... Health problems, financial problems, family problems. There's all sorts of things going on, right? Guess what? All of that suffering is temporary. And he's saying that you can't compare the sufferings of the present with the eternal glory that awaits the child of God. And talk about keeping things in perspective, right? When we put the present, very real, very challenging parts of our life in the perspective of eternity. It changes the way that it looks, isn't it? See, we have to take the long view of life. We have to realize that this life is full of struggle and trial. Jesus said that in this world you will have what? Tribulation. That's the norm. But what Paul is saying is that we have to learn how to put things in perspective. To keep them in perspective. We have to learn together how to remember what awaits the child of God. These sufferings are real and they're personal. But they're only temporary. And the glory that awaits us is eternal. Brother, sister, listen. How are you doing taking the long view of what's going on? Because really what goes on, what I've learned in my life and I've seen in the lives of so many of us is that the sufferings of this present time are so challenging that we forget what awaits us. We forget that there is a promise of a future that is so much more extravagant than all of the issues of today. 
We allow the sufferings of this present time to make us bitter rather than allowing the hope of glory that awaits us to keep us better. We have to keep things in perspective. Now, I don't say that. What I love about the Bible is it doesn't minimize the present day sufferings. It doesn't say, oh, it's no big deal. I mean, you're going to heaven. He's saying, look, the suffering is real. But there's something even more real. And that's eternity in heaven with Jesus. And those two together, they're not worthy to be compared with one another. Paul told this to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 16 to 18, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In the very real struggles of your life, the sufferings, in the things that as you experience them, you think to yourself, it's got to get better than this. I want you and I want to encourage you with the eyes of faith to look above the suffering And look to your Savior. Look to Jesus. And say, Lord, the suffering that I am seeing and experiencing, it's real. But my eyes are moving beyond that to get a perspective on eternity. And I realize that this suffering is real and it's mine. But it's temporary. And when you really think about The length of our lives, I was just reading that the Guinness book just named, there's a woman who's 116 years old, the oldest woman alive. And I think to myself, good for her. You know what I mean? Like, man, I want to be around at 116. You guys probably don't want me to be around, but I want to be around. (laughs) But guess what? 116 years in the light of eternity is a drop in the bucket. They're not even comparable. And brothers and sisters, we need to have the long view of this. We need to have the eternal perspective. Put the struggles and the trials that you find yourself in, in the greater perspective of eternity. Where there's a glory that awaits each one of us as God's children. Now, moving on from there, in verse 19, it says, For the earnest, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now, 
You want to talk about sufferings? This teaches us the biblical view of all the suffering that goes on in all the world. And this is what these verses teach us. Now, I realize that when I read it, some of you are like, what does that mean? And I'm happy you wanted to know because I'm going to explain it to you. Here's what you need. This is what these verses teach. It teaches that creation labors for the birth of the new creation. All of creation, all of the created order, everything that is today is groaning with labor pains for the birth of the new and renewed creation. See, not only do we suffer, but what the Bible teaches is that when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, not only did humanity fall from its place of perfection, but all of creation broke with it. Like every time you hear of a tornado, a tsunami, an earthquake, a mudslide, all of these things are labor pains of creation. Now, as a husband, I've never had a labor pain. But my bride, Lynn, she's superwoman. Now, each labor pain that comes, is it painful? I've been told yes. Right? Tell you a funny story about that. I'll never forget this. One of my classic bad moments as a husband. I remember when Lynn was having contractions for our second child, Maranatha. I remember we were living in a townhouse and our car was kind of parked a little ways up. And so I remember that Lynn went into labor in like the middle of the night. It was like 11 o'clock. So I woke up to hear her laboring, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. And so I got myself up and, you know, brushed my teeth. I'm ready to go. And Lynn, I knew that I needed to make sure that I, everything was ready because she was not going to go to the hospital early. Right. And I remember that when she finally said, okay, I'll go to the hospital. I needed to be ready to go. So I ran up to get our car to back it down. So she got door to door service, you know, like I'm a good husband that way. Right. And I remember I was putting her go bag in the back of the car. Right. And I'm putting in the back of the car. But at this time, Obadiah is like three years old. So the back of the car is like a buffet. And I remember I go and I put the bag in the back of the car. And in my mind, I mean, I just woken up. I mean, I must have eaten dinner about six hours earlier. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a long night. So sure enough, I put the go bag down and there I see it. Distracted as I always am. A little hill of gold. Cheetos. And I remember I thought to myself, whatever you do, don't eat that. Now, I wasn't scared that it was going to be, like, bad because Cheetos never go bad. You know what I mean? But I'm like, if I eat this, I'm going to get in trouble for mama because she's right in the middle of something pretty important. But sometimes I act before I think. So I grabbed those Cheetos. I shoved them in my mouth, chewed real fast, found a water bottle, swished it around, cleaned it out of my teeth because I'm smart like that. And I walked in the door, and right as I walked in the door, Lynn was having a contraction. And all of a sudden, in the middle of a contraction, she looked at me with the eye of Sauron. <laughs> Mid-contraction, what are you eating? Now is the only time Lynn has ever said anything mean to me in our entire marriage. 
right there. And I said, uh, nothing. <laughs> you gotta pray for that poor girl. I knew better too. But in that moment, see, when I think of labor pains, that's what I think of. What are you eating? Poor girl. But here's the thing. With each labor pain, if you keep it in perspective, you realize that those labor pains, are they painful? I've been told so. Are they purposeful? Absolutely. Babies aren't born without them. And in the same way, as you look at what's going on in the world, and not just the human world, but with all of creation, the ecological world, there's not a week that goes by given the fact that all of the world, we kind of exist right there on our computer screens. Right as you hear about a tornado, you have to think to yourself, that's a labor pain. To the tsunami, that's a labor pain. Every time the earth does something in its brokenness, it's a sign of a labor pain as all of creation is laboring and groaning for the coming, the consummation of the children of God. Look at what it says. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. It's saying that the hope and the expectation of all of creation, that pick that word earnest expectation, it's a picturesque word that literally means when someone leans forward out of interest or desire. All of creation is doing the same thing. It's waiting for the revealing of the children of God. And then it tells us in verse 20 that the earnest or for the creation was subjected to futility. Now that word futility literally means frailty or purposelessness. It has the connotation of decay. Really what it's saying is just like our bodies... And we've talked about this, how the bodies, right as they're born, they begin to die slowly. All of creation is like that. Because of the failing of Adam and Eve as the stewards over God's good world, all of creation fell with it. And creation is on that process of atrophy. It's happening right now. And sometimes if you read uh, the scientific research about when the sun is going to burn out and when the ozone layer is going to go bad forever and, and climate change and all these things. And for those of you who believe that climate change is political, it is because all of these companies are making all sorts of things that are ruining this earth. Now, I'm not saying that it's not politicized, but if you don't think that climate change is real, just realize that we had snow and hail and it's going to be 60 degrees tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, like when you do the science on the polar ice caps, they're getting smaller. That's a problem, right? But either way, humans have a say in what goes on, but there's only so much we can do because all of creation was subjected to futility as well. Do you realize that? So God made Adam and Eve the stewards over his good creation. So some of the problems that we have ecologically are human derived you know that right and all of creation is in this process of decaying slowly just like our bodies are but notice that wasn't God's intention because God subjected it in hope it says because the creation itself verse 21 
also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, says almost the same thing. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So all of creation is longing for this new creation. And if you read the Bible, really what you find is that God ushers in renewal of the created order in two steps. The first step is when Jesus returns and he sets up his messianic kingdom on the earth, on this earth. And this earth gets a renewal. And then the second step is when God brings in the new heavens and the new earth and all of this is made completely new. In a lot of ways, God's plan in the renewal of creation is the exact same plan in his renewal of us as people. The first step is when Jesus takes residence within our hearts and we are a colony of heaven in the midst of this earth. And then, either at the return of Jesus or at the resurrection of the dead, when all things are made completely new in consummation. Now, if you have no clue what I just said, I realize I just dropped some really quick theology on you guys. So if you, don't, if you didn't catch all that, don't worry about it. But if you did, think about how cool that is. God doesn't need to recreate the wheel when he wants to bring renewal. He has a plan and a purpose. But all of creation is longing for all things to be renewed. That's why it says in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now, I want to say one last thing on this before I move to the last section of this message. And here's this. Sometimes as believers, when some sort of ecological disaster hits some area of the world, I am always horrified by the commentary of somebody in the ministry who has the audacity to say, the reason that earthquake happened is because those people worship idols or whatever. I'm always horrified because I'm like, actually, if you read Romans chapter 8, they're the recipients of a broken creation and God's people at the very least should be compassionate and not jerks. Now, I just say that because for me, I realize that here at Crossroads, we don't do that kind of thing. We're a little bit more biblical than that. Every time you hear of a calamity where nature hurts people, our first thought should be, that's another birth pang. Our second thought should be, God, will you take care of all those people there? And our third thought should be, God, how do you want us to help? Because every single cataclysmic happening is a birth pang. And creation is saying, it's almost time. And when you read about the return of Jesus, it says that there'll be more and more of these things. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel today reminded you that as the end of the world nears, you're going to see it spin more and more out of control. The Bible equates the natural disasters and decay of morals to birth pains, a readying for a new beginning. One day soon, Jesus will return to judge the evil of this world, so be ready. 
If you're a born-again believer, you'll rejoice with your brothers and sisters in Christ as your King redeems the world. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well. From those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you, and that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel reminds you to keep your eyes on Jesus, especially when tragedy is striking. Many people of all different walks of life feel the pain of loss and are tired from struggling. If you can help in some way, do it. Be Jesus on earth right now as you wait for him to return. You can help change someone's life in the midst of a trial simply by loving as your Savior loved you. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Secret Sauce. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.